the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us. In today's world, there is much confusion as to what defines family, and Satan is determined to keep it that way. The good news is that the children of God have victory because we know that the family, as designed by God, will not be destroyed. As the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, stand firm, set the spiritual tone, and be the role model for your families to the glory of God, thereby establishing legacies for your future generations. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander encourages us. And Father, we thank you for the message. Help me to preach in the power of your spirit. Help us to settle down and be all here in our thoughts, in our spirits, in our hearts. Help us to know you through the message today. Help us not to play in Satan's hand and miss what we have come for. Help us to be still and know your God. That transformation would take place inside out. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Have your Bibles turned to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. If you don't have a Bible, please share your Bible with someone uh, near you so that they can see the Word of God for themselves. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is the fourth and last message of a series that I began a number of weeks ago. It is entitled, Pursuing Peace in the Midst of Family Conflict. Uh, This is the fourth and final message of the series, Pursuing Peace in the Midst of Conflict. Ephesians 4, 1, 2, and 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul, in this particular chapter, is challenging the church at Ephesus as he is in prison for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he challenges the church, he beseeches the church, he urges the church, he pleads with the church to walk worthy, it says in the passage, of the calling with which you were called. In other words, he says, uh, I challenge you to live up to your position in Christ. He says, with all lowliness, that's gentleness, that, that's humility. Lowliness is humility and gentleness in the church, but not also in the church, but not just in the church, but also in marital relationship. We need to be gentle with one another. We need to be humble with each other. We need to have humility toward each other with long suffering, bearing with one another. 
in the church as well as in marital relationships, we ought to be long-suffering. In other words, we ought to trust God for more patience in our relationships, in love, endeavoring, which means eager, enthusiastically, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, when we allow the Holy Spirit to influence our lives, to control our lives, he is the author of peace. And with Jesus Christ in charge of our lives, when we allow the Spirit of God to rule and reign in our lives, then comes peace in the church, peace in relationships, particularly in our marriages as well. We left off uh, talking about guidelines for resolving marital conflicts I also said that uh, Satan wants your marriage. He hates you. Nothing about you once you come to Christ, he likes. As a matter of fact, before coming to Christ, he's going to do everything he can to keep you from being saved, from being rescued, from experiencing a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you blind. He wants you doomed, damned, and done. But when one trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his or her personal savior, he hates the fact that you get saved. You are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You are redeemed. You become a child of King Jesus. And once you have become born again by the spirit of God, then Satan is out. He makes all out war against you. He hates God and he hates the children of God who were born of God. Then once you get saved, then his objective is to keep you from growing. He wants to keep you in the state of immaturity and babyhood. He he doesn't want you to see you rise to your God-given potential to the glory of God. He wants you to make one mess in your life after another mess, just a trail of nothing but mess to keep you from reaching your potential for Christ. And so it is real, real critical that we realize the devil is the one who is out to destroy relationships. He hates the husband, the wife, the children, the grandchildren. He hates everything about you. He hates the church. He hates me. He hates everybody in this room. He hates the fact that you're here. He does everything he can to keep you from getting here. And then once you get here, he mess, he'll mess with your mind. Uh, he'll put wandering thoughts on your mind. And Satan's objective now, even as you're here, to get you in the church, but let you, he wants you to leave just like you came without an influence of the word in your life, without being impacted. If he can just get you to get nothing, then he has you right where he wants you. Hey, you came to church but you got nothing, and you left, and you didn't experience nothing. And nothing from nothing leaves nothing. But you have to be determined to experience God in his house on the Lord's day. And you have to be determined to not let the devil have your marriage. Doesn't matter whether you've been married for one year or 40 years. Satan wants your marriage as much at 40 years as he does in two months of marriage. And he'll take it and he'll destroy it if you don't fight for that which is near and dear to you as well as almighty God. 
Let me just give two points of review from last Sunday, and then we're going to proceed with new insights for living for this Sunday. I gave about 10 last Sunday, but for the sake of time, we'll just do two and we'll proceed. Last Sunday, I said, number one, don't lose your Christian testimony in the midst of conflicts. They are inevitable. You can't be married for any any length of time and not have issues and challenges and conflicts in your marriage, as well as conflict on jobs and in church and in neighborhoods and all kinds of issues. Uh, There will be conflicts. That's just the reality of life. But whether that conflict comes in your home, with your children, on your job or in the church or wherever it happens, don't lose your Christian testimony in the midst of conflict. Families and friends, join the Maranatha Bible Church family for our Hallelujah Fun Festival on Saturday, October 30th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the Maranatha grounds. There will be food, fun, prizes, fellowship, and activities for all ages, including train rides, pumpkin hunt, photo booths, s'mores, cakewalk, pie bake-off, and so much more. See you on the 30th at 10 a.m. How you behave may become more significant than the issue itself. Yelling, cussing, fighting, pushing, slapping, negative body language, not speaking to one another, avoiding one another, whether it's in the church, on the job, or in your house. You'd be surprised, even in marriages, people walk around mad and won't speak and have the children to send messages to one another. But that's not the way to be. You know, we have, the, the scripture says that we ought to be gentle and long-suffering and bearing one another. That's eager to keep the unity. You don't, have, you don't keep unity of the spirit by not speaking to one another. That doesn't help the situation nor enhance it. We must not allow conflict to contaminate us. Refuse to lose self-control or your Christian testimony. Because if you lose your Christian testimony or your self-control, that can become bigger than the issue that you are trying to address. Don't let people make a fool out of you. If you do, people will fail to remember all the good you've done and only remember your bad behavior. I said the other Sunday, all I have to do is just act a fool one time in the house of God, misrepresent God real bad one time, and you will forget every baby I blessed. You'll forget every person I baptized, every person I married. All you can say is, I remember when Pastor Draper, back 15 and a half years ago, when he did this on that day at that time. People have good memories when it comes to the bad stuff. And so that's why you have to really be on guard and not allow conflicts to contaminate you. And then you become a greater issue than the issue you were trying to address. Number two, it takes time for wounded relationships to heal. And they can if the person involved are willing to forgive and surrender their wounds to Jesus and allow and also have a desire to be made whole. There will be times of hurt and misunderstanding in your relationships, wherever they may be. There'll be times in marriages where a spouse, one spouse will wound the other. There'll be or deceive the other or lie to the other or betray the other. And even when one has made up and asked forgiveness, still takes time to heal. You just don't get over hurt in two days. You say, well, I asked forgiveness. You, you, and one, two weeks later, you're not all right yet? Well, no, you're not all right yet. You know, it takes time for the Lord to work in you and to keep the healing process ongoing to the glory of Almighty God.
And with that being said, it takes time to heal. But the other side is, is that you, like the scripture says in John 5, 5 through 6, that man who had the infirmity for 38 years, Jesus asked that man, do you want to be made well? Verse 6 of John 5. And some people live in a perpetual state of hurt. And 10 years later, they still hurt. And 20 years later, they still hurt. Because they have come to the conclusion that they don't want to be made whole. When you get the flu or get any kind of physical illness, you don't go to the doctor and say, do what you can to keep me in perpetual flu. Keep me with this cough. Uh, how, how can I stay sick? The, the goal when you go in a hospital or whatever is to get well as soon as possible. And if you're going to be any kingdom good to the glory of God, if you're going to honor him, if you're going to be any kingdom good to your husband and your, or your wife or your children or those precious grandchildren, you have to heal so that you can make the most of your life with your spouse with your relatives, with your children, and with your grandchildren. And God will help you heal if you want to be healed. Some folk have carried grudges so long until grudges are, in fact, a way of life. And God says, do you want to be made well? Will you let me put the salve on you? Number three, be as patient as you can be in the midst of conflicts, wherever they may happen to be. Just when you're about to throw in the towel on your husband, I'm tired of that man or I'm tired of that woman or that child. You've given that child, you try to educate that child, you, you've given your last dime on that child, you've been with that child through thick and thin, and look like the more you do, the worse they get, and on and on it goes. Just when you're about to throw in the towel, God is about to do his greatest work in the one you're struggling with. Life doesn't let you see around the next corner. And God knows just how much you can bear. Your circumstances did not catch God by surprise. Some people are late bloomers. Say late bloomers. They bloom late. They're still erratic and searching and still trying to find themselves. Then all of a sudden, at the time you least expect, God makes a radical change in him or her, and you can't believe your eyes. Therefore, be patient with God. Be patient with yourself and be patient with others. Be patient with others. God is not through with you, your husband yet. God is not through with the wife yet. God is still making your children what they are becoming. You wait on the Lord, keep them in prayer, and realize God is not on your time schedule. He's on his. I tell you what, God's never late, never early. He's an on-time God. 1 Corinthians 13, 4a says, love suffers long and is kind. 1 Corinthians 13, 8a says, love never fails. I'm so glad God loves me just as I am. I'm glad God loves me at my best and he loves me at my worst. And you know what? That's the way you have to love your husband or your wife or your children. Sometimes your children can make you so proud and sometimes they can hurt you so badly. But nothing ought to stop a mother or a father 
from loving his or her child at their best or at their worst. Whether they end up in the White House or in prison, you love your child. Regardless of the lifestyle, you hope they choose the right lifestyle and follow your teaching. And if they choose to walk away, know that you've done all you could and then you have given them something to come back to. Sometimes children will stray, but you make sure you've deposited so much into them until at least they have something to come back to. Wow. Number four, my friend, the deeper your communion with God, the better you will be able to handle conflict. Spiritual immaturity and regression will increase conflicts and create more chaos and confusion. Let me say, tell you something. Conflicts will diminish when you grow up spiritually and deepen your communion with God. The deeper you are in Christ, the better you'll be able to handle with divine insight the conflict that you encounter in your life. When you are shallow and when you're a spiritual baby, you will take a conflict and you will make it a bigger mess than what it is because you are not governed by the scripture or the spirit of almighty God. James 4, 8a says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When you're walking in close intimacy with God, in close relationship with Jesus Christ, when you have a conflict with your husband or your wife or with your child or with your in-law or with your siblings or wherever it may come, let me God will give you wisdom and God will show you how to be a peacemaker in the midst of that situation and God will use you as an agent of peace to the glory of almighty God if you don't seek self-centeredness but Christ-centeredness to the glory of almighty God. Why don't you say amen? amen? Some of you are looking at me quite intently Because God is speaking to you and I can just see it from your face. Number five, when the conflict has been resolved, meditate on the right things and refuse to put those with whom you have been in conflict with under surveillance. That's a big one. That's okay. In other words, you've forgiven one another, but perhaps that person has done it a time or two before or... Uh, for some reason, maybe it was the first time uh, offending you in a particular way, and you forgiven, but you're still watching and looking, and you're checking them out, and you just say, oh, yeah, but let me just see. You have them under surveillance. You got a camera on them, just in case they might not have meant what they said. And when you put your spouse under suspect, that creates all kind of havoc within the relationship. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let me tell you something. If you want to encourage your marriage, you need to be, first of all, meditating on the right things that can help you encourage your marriage. You know, when you have a person under surveillance and under suspect, it does something to the atmosphere 
in the environment of the home. But when you meditate on Philippians 4, 8, you'll find yourself at ease and at rest in your heart. Uh, Number six, husbands and father, if you're husband and father, say what you want. That's a little weak. Some of y'all husband and father, you haven't said anything. Husbands and fathers, that's a little weak. Husbands and fathers, that's still kind of weak. Now, you know if the Cowboys and your game, your team is on, all you screaming at the television, you come in here and you act like little Mickey Mouse. Husbands and fathers, all right, talk like you're talking to that TV set when that game is on and they can't hear you. You cannot bring stability, balance, and security in your home until you, dad and husband, until you are well-grounded spiritually in the word of God, until you are spiritually mature, and, as, and until you are unwavering in your commitment to your wife and to your children. God holds you responsible for being the priest in the house. God holds you responsible for cultivating a spiritual atmosphere to the glory of God. You have the responsibility, daddy and husband, to making your spouse and your children feel secure. You have the responsibility of leading them to Christ and being a man of God in the house and setting the standards in the house and the spiritual temperature in the house to the glory of God. And you cannot be that until you are a stable man. You can't become the church once every seven weeks and think you can grow. You, you need to be a balanced man of God. You need to be stable in your ways and in your commitment to your wife. Colossians 1.23 says, if indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, nothing moves you away from the gospel of the word, which you heard, you take the word, you execute the word, You live the word to the glory of almighty God. Wives, God hold you responsible for ministering to your husbands in love. For knowing that that those children need to be nurtured. And a mother is a nurturer. Nobody can nurture that child like a mama. Mamas, let me tell you something. Nope. No nursery can beat you loving your child. Y'all hear hear what I just said? Nobody can love your child like you. You say, well, I have to work, and I, well, I know you do, and, but the goal is to work your way out of work, you know, do something, you know, but nobody, nobody can love that child like a mother. That child can just be upstairs, and they can just whimper, and that's, that dad is snowing, but she hears something. God gave you hearing that we men don't have. Because you're a nurturer. You're a mother. You're a mother. A daddy can never be a mother. And a woman can never teach a boy how to be a man. I didn't say this first service, but the Lord lead me to say this now. No, 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 no. That's why I t- you say, well, you're a single parent? Find a good Christian mentor in the church. 
preferably, that can help mentor that child in his masculinity to the glory of Almighty God. And perhaps you can't do it, but perhaps your brother live in a city that's a good role model, or maybe it's an uncle, or maybe it's a, it's a good Christian man or Sunday school teacher. So you get that male influence around your child to the glory of Almighty God. So that's, that's real important. Number seven, instead of fighting husbands and wives and devouring one another, become a united front and defeat Satan and his strategies out of your home, out of your home and church. And see, Satan loves it when he can get you to devour one another, screaming, backbiting, planning, trying to get heads up on the other. Uh, because if he can get you, boom, if he can get you doing that, he said, go for it. Get him, get him, get him, wife, get him, husband. Round two. Round three, get go to the corner. Bing! Oh, you yeah, had it again. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. If he can get you to do that, he's got you right where he wants you. And you forgetting that your husband is really not the issue, and your wife is really not the issue. It's that devil that's orchestrating behind the scene. And what you have to become is a united front and say, you know what? We're not going to let that devil do what he wants to do. We're going to go down on our knees in prayer. And we're going to take the word. And my wife and me, my husband, we're going to give that devil a good fight. We're going to fight that devil out of our house. We're going to pray all over our house. The devil going to have a hell of a time trying to stay in this house to the glory of God. Put the word all over the house. The, the word is a lamp to my feet on this room. And you go to another room, put the Lord is my shepherd. And you go to another room, you put the Ten Commandments. You know, y'all don't have enough word in your house. Put the word, ain't no cross. You ought to have a cross somewhere in the house to remind you what Jesus did for you. You ought to put a cross somewhere. You ought to, nobody need to walk in your house and can't figure out that you belong to the Lord. <laughs> They ought to walk in that house and all of a sudden they get the feeling kind of funny because it's hey, something going on here. No guests ought to come in your house and can't sense the presence of God. They say, walk in there, say, I feel funny in here. You say, that's the Holy Ghost over this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. You keep being at each other, you're going to destroy each other financially, emotionally, physically, and psychologically, and every other way imaginable. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. The wiles is the schemes. The wiles is the strategies of the devil. Even as I preach today, Satan is already scheming up a plan on you as I preach because he hates that you are in here hearing this message today and he wants to snatch it from your life and he wants to throw you a curve to make you miserable in your marriage. God is our stronghold. God is our refuge. 
God is our strong tower. God is our deliverer. God is our healer. God is our provider. God is our everything. He gave his only begotten son to die in our place for our sins. God gave his all for us. As his children, we are obligated to give our all for him. We must remember the Lord our God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.